Okay, back on another episode, session, whatever the hell you want to call it. One o'clock, 1300 for you military types. Uh, August 24th, 2022. Crazy week if you're following the Twitter stuff. Um, get your popcorn out because it continues to get more interesting all the time. Uh, yeah, I think if you've been looking for uh, uh, an interesting show to watch, get you know, get ready because it's just beginning and it's uh, pretty pretty nuts. Honestly, um, I I literally ate some popcorn earlier while I was reading the whole thing. So like, I'm not just playing around, but it, yeah, serious. <clears throat> okay. Um, I put on LinkedIn, I was going to kind of prove uh, how ridiculous some of this legislation is that's going on in the space. Let me give you some context before I prove just how stupid some of this stuff is. So the Re Recorded Future published an article, um, which all their stuff is actually really solid. And let me give you the, the cliff notes here. So this is on the record by Recorded Future, Jonathan Gregg. This was published yesterday. An inside look into state's efforts to ban government ransomware payments. North Carolina and Florida, Florida, who's been ransomed a whole lot, broke new ground early this year when both states banned government entities from paying ransoms connected to ransomware attacks. Don't necessarily totally disagree with that, but let's just table that for now. Lawmakers across the U.S. are having trouble replicating legislative success. I don't know how to call it success. Uh, maybe it's success because you actually got members of legislature to agree on anything. As experts decry the bans and party leaders balk at wading into an evolving cybersecurity landscape. Cybersecurity has become a hot topic for state legislators with 250 cyber related bills introduced nationally or statewide, I guess you'd say across the U.S., uh, 40 states in Puerto Rico, blah, blah, blah. But most of those bills focus on training, funding and election security. North Carolina stood out for passing the first state law banning government entities from paying ransoms connected to cyber attacks. Now, remember what I just said, North Carolina passed the first state law about paying ransoms. Now, hang on a second. The prohibition covers all state agencies, the University of North Carolina, cities, counties, local schools, community colleges, and more. Administrators and cybersecurity specialists are restricted from even communicating with ransomware groups in the event of an attack. Keep that in mind. We're getting there, I promise. The law additionally requires all agencies to immediately notify the North Carolina Department of Information Technology, NCDIT, in the event of a ransomware attack, which is tasked with the incidents. Blah, blah, Rob Main, talkie, 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 stuff, stuff, stuff. Uh, mixed state house success. As of July 1st, 12 states have addressed ransomware in a law, according to the National Conference of State Legislators. California, Florida, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Texas, West Virginia, Wyoming, all passed laws referencing ransomware, with most effectively adding ransomware to criminal penal codes and outlining specific penalties for those involved. I'm sure the guys in Russia that are launching those ransomware attacks are really fucking terrified about a penal code law in North, North Dakota. Florida, Indiana, Louisiana, North Carolina, and North Dakota require public entities to report ransomware incidents, while Texas now authorizes the Texas DOT to purchase insurance coverage for ransomware. We're you're starting to see where the rabbit hole is going here. T Tennessee and others uh, formalized demands that state organizations provide information about cyber attacks and ransomware incident. New Mexico and Maryland passed bills that provide funding for cybersecurity training and ransomware response tools. Kentucky passed a resolution demanding the federal government do something to address the issue. LOL. Take appropriate measures sufficient to protect the Commonwealth from cyber attacks and prevent ransomware demands. But Florida and North Carolina had the only bill that explicitly bans government entities 
from paying ransoms, right? New York State Senator Diane Savino, whose bill resembles the ones in Florida and North Carolina, so I guess is the bill she's putting in front for, for New York, said her ban did not make it out to Senate floor this year, telling the record that the Assembly has been somewhat reticent to do anything about cybersecurity issues because quite obviously they don't understand it. Okay, LOO for her. At least she said that they don't understand what the hell they're talking about. Now, okay, so I said North Carolina put this thing out there to ban ransomware payments, right? So a logical person would go, well, if we're going to ban ransomware payments, we had better have our shit in one sock. We should be bulletproof and locked down because if I'm going to go off and preach at somebody and pass legislation and say, you can't do this, I would not put myself in a position where I would get my ass handed to me digitally, correct? I mean, that's what logic would suggest. So... In that spirit, I thought, you know what, if North Carolina was going to go off and put their nuts on the table, how hard would it be for someone with, I don't know, nothing to do on a Wednesday morning to go find vulnerable assets in North Carolina that are tied to state government resources, specifically noted in that law? The answer, not very difficult. So if you do some queries, tickle the internet the right way, and you know what you're doing, NC, North Carolina, .gov, specific resources that are affiliated with the North Carolina government organizations. Uh, I found 27 that are way, way misconfigured, right? Um, North Carolina State Telecommunication Service, City of Greensboro, North Carolina, the Electric Co-op for Blue Ridge Mountains. And uh, let's see, I see stuff in here, a mail server. Um, I see uh, certificate things. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. oh, and there's their WAF, which is misconfigured, which still sitting there talking. And by the way, I'm, these are internal IP addresses because the great thing about it is because the way this is misconfigured is I see the external IP. And then because of the things that they fucked up and misconfigured on the back end, I literally see the internal IP of the mail server for a state government organization. Um, it's right there. Like I'm looking, I could give you the internal IP address right this second. So that that's one. So that took me about, I would know 45 seconds. So there's some of that. Again, you would think North Carolina putting this thing in there saying, we're not going to pay for ransomware and blah, blah, blah. They would have their things really, really well lined up. Um, Let's see what we find if we look for things around the university, because it said specifically in the law, universities couldn't pay for this either. Again, Tickling the internet the right way, looking for the right stuff, finding things the way that you need to find it. Um, 2,828 results at North Carolina State, NCSU, that are misconfigured, that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, that are the wrong way. On top of that, um, you want to guess what the most current build is on their operating systems for this particular organization. You would think Windows 11, Windows 10, Nope, Windows 7. Windows 7, yeah. Even Windows 8 server things in here, um, IIS, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that, and there's a printer, which is always funny. So there's, you know, printer that's doing printer things that's misconfigured that you can get. What's, what could you print from a printer? Stuff? Hmm. All right, so couple more just because if there's a horse in front of me, I don't want to just beat it. I want to beat it to death and then I want to pave over the grave and then burn the building down and then use that in the ashes. But 
let's talk about North Carolina some more because continually they're supposed to be lined up here and they should have everything together. A um, couple more tickles looking at the right thing. People that provide telecommunication services on behalf of the state of North Carolina. 627 results, misconfigured talk on the internet. Um, Raleigh, 460. Fayetteville, 22. Asheville, 11. Um, the common port for these, 3389. What runs on 3389? Uh, what is there? What thing runs on 3389 that you could possibly get to that would cause you to be able to go into a system and do things? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. One more, just because again, they said specifically state and local school governments. They said governments that take care of local schools, right? 72 for uh, Winston-Salem, Forsyth County schools. So the school system. And um, here's funny stuff. I know for a fact that they're using Barracuda because of some of the things they've got there. Um, I can see internal IP addresses on the mail server again. And uh, the other natting things that are taking place there. Um, and this is running on software that was patched last time. Um, I believe it says, yeah, 2013. So 2013. What year is it? It's 2022. So my point is, you've got these organizations with people out there that are passing legislation that's putting people into a position where they can't do what they need to do to take care of things. And they're not even in a position where they're taking care of their own shit. If you're going to come into someone else's house and say, you can't do these things. I know better than you. I'm supposed to be uh, an expert and whatever else. You'd better make sure that your stuff is at least lined up. Um, so for those folks that wrote this legislation in the state of North Carolina and Florida, I'm not even going to bother with you because I guarantee I could just get all kinds of fun shit with Florida. Um, your stuff is not well put together. You are ripe for a ransomware attack. Your state and local government has avenues of compromise. Your universities have avenues of compromise. Your schools have avenues of compromise, every one of which would be prolific in its, in its inception. So go get your shit fixed. Do other things rather than writing legislation that's unenforceable, especially when you, the organization sponsoring said legislation, is not in a position where you should be mandating anything on anybody else. That's my position. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think there needs to be some accountability here. And I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm just, and I'm not throwing the IPs and I'm not putting URLs and whatever else out there. I'm just telling you what's up. So there's that. Okay. Let's be real about it. There was also a very interesting article that was published uh, from Tennyson. And there was a, a cover from Kim Burton who covered this on Dark Reading Apathy is your company's biggest cybersecurity vulnerability. Now, what do they mean by apathy? Human error continues to be the leading cause of a cybersecurity breach, right? Human error. Nearly 60% of organizations experienced data loss due to an employee's mistake on email in the last year. Now, remember, I just told you about all those email servers in North Carolina that misconfigured. While one in four employees fell for a phishing attack. I'm not saying we shouldn't train people, and I don't think anyone logically says you shouldn't train people, but relying on humans to be a technical control is fucking stupid. Like, we don't train everyone how to uh, build an internal combustion engine. We teach them how to drive a car relatively safely, hopefully. We give them technical controls like airbags and seatbelts and whatever else, and then we give them a license and put them on the road. We shouldn't be doing that same, you know, the counter to that in cyberspace. 
<clears throat> the data says that it's not a very smart investment. I'm sorry to say, but it is. A new report from testing sheds light on the full extent of employee apathy and its impact on cybersecurity posture. The report found that a significant number of employees aren't engaged in organization cybersecurity efforts and don't understand the role they play. Totally agree. One in three employees would say they don't understand the importance of cybersecurity at work. That's terrifying, but absolutely real. What's more, only 39% say they're very likely to report an incident. Why? Because they don't want to be known as the person that clicked the damn thing. A quarter of employees say they don't care enough about cybersecurity to mention it. I totally get this. Like it used to be where I would be the person, the ex-military guy that would be standing on the table, flipping shit over and griping or whatever else that people suck at cyber. It ain't that way anymore. They shouldn't have to be cyber people to do their job. I don't have to know shit about how to do accounting. I don't have to know how to do fucking taxes and whatever else. I have software that does that for me. Oh, and by the way, I have people that that's what they do. I run my own LLC. I don't give me, I don't, I don't know anything about the tax codes around here other than I got to pay taxes and whatever. The software does it. I know how to take money in. I know I use software to do the banking side of it. And I know that software takes care of the records and updates my bookkeeper and whatever else. I'm not trained on the tax code. Why are we trying to continually fool ourselves that we can get people to be a technical control for a technical problem and it doesn't make a lick of difference? Should we train them and educate them? Yes. But here it is, one in three or a quarter in this particular instance, say they don't care enough about cybersecurity to even mention that they were possibly someone that compromised the system. I mean, come on. You know, ways to improve cybersecurity culture. If you're looking for failure in culture, I mean, look at what's going on with Twitter. And I, I don't know about the other folks on the call or that have been in a position where you're either being recruited to be a CISO or have been a CISO. It's a really terrible thing to be in a place where you're telling someone that there is a cataclysm coming and they ignore you and they just kind of want you there for, for a figurehead and they don't actually empower you to make change and then shit goes wrong and guess who gets crucified? It's you. That's what you're seeing play out. Um, I think your culture should be something that's aligned on the culture of what the business does personally. This is just my opinion. I think your culture should be aligned to enable the business because that's why you're there. You're working for them to, you know, uh, make a nickel and a dollar and all those things. Well, that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's why you work. I mean, uh, sure. There's people that do things that are um, volunteer in nature and you, because you love it or whatever else, but the majority of folks are out there to go to work from Monday to Friday, nine to five, do their job and then go on about their way. So give them the power to do that. Don't make them do that and be security engineers at the same time. Technology is what's needed to actually do that, in my opinion, again. Now, to follow on with that, and because data is the only truth that there really is mathematics, data breaches, this is on tech.co that have happened in 2022 so far. And the, the point I'm going to make here is that if you really think compliance and expense, dollars spent equals security, listen to this, right? August 2022, uh, DEFSA data breach. Greece's largest natural gas distributor breached. August 10th, Cisco. July 2022, Uber, Twitter, uh, Neopets, ClearTrip, Infinity Rehab, Deakin University, Marriott, OpenSea, Flagstar, Baptist Medical, Choice Health, Shields Health, Verizon, Texas DOT, Alameda Health Systems, National, I mean, SuperVPN, April, uh, Cash App, 
March, Apple and Meta. March 26, USDOE, Department of Education. March 24, Texas Department of Insurance. March 18th, Morgan Stanley. The point I'm trying to make here is if you think that money is going to be the thing that causes you to be better in a security posture than actual strategic approach and removing what the adversary needs to be successful and those types of things, dealing with the reality of the problem, you're wrong. You're going to spend more money than Morgan Stanley? You're going to spend more money than NVIDIA? Right? February 25th, NVIDIA. February 20th, Credit Suisse. You're going to spend more money than Credit Suisse? You're going to spend more money than NVIDIA? Do you think any of those organizations weren't compliant? No. They were compliant. They spent a shitload of money. They were doing the things that probably seemed like um, were valuable. And somewhere along the way, there was a checklist that said, yep, good to go, good to go, good to go. And life went on. And you got and they got they got pwned. Some of these were crazy left side, you know, hacks that took a whole lot of effort and were really intricate. Point being, it wasn't about the hack, the hacks had given, but it's, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. You, do, you can you can literally spin up a business and just shovel money into the hole that is this, and it doesn't make a lick of difference if you don't focus on the things that actually do make a difference. Now, what's interesting too is if you read through those breach reports, the ones that had controls in place that eliminated the problem after the breach that dealt with the likelihood of compromise and the isolation segmentation, those types of things make a difference. It was a problem. It was a pain in the ass and it showed up on the news, but it wasn't a cataclysmic breach. So what does that tell you, right? It's not that it's just something occurring. It's not that you won't have a compromise, but it's that when it does happen, if you accept that that's a reality and you put your controls in place to limit the ability of the adversary to continually be successful, you do better. Breaches gonna happen. Breach is gonna happen. You're gonna get compromised. You're gonna get hacked, whatever else given as sure as the sun shall rise tomorrow hopefully it rises tomorrow compromise is going to happen all right so let's just deal with the reality that's all i'm saying um just as further on to that bloomberg just reported this on august 27th china bound ex apple engineer admits to trade secrets theft robo car worker who planned to join x ping Pleads guilty in U.S. I read the plea. I read some of the stuff you can get, not the plea agreement, but some of the other uh, whatever. But a former Apple engineer uh, pleaded guilty to criminal charges that he stole proprietary information of the company while preparing to go to work for a Chinese startup that makes electric cars. Zhang Xiaolang, which I think I got that right, who was arrested July uh, 2018 on his way to catch a one-way flight to China, admitted to a single count of trade secret theft at a hearing in San Jose, California. Now, this is where things get interesting. Um, prosecutors accused Zhang of downloading 25 pages of Apple documents to his wife's computers that included schematic drawings of a circuit board design for a portion of an autonomous vehicle. Uh, in April of that year, Zhang announced his intention to resign from Apple, saying he wanted to return to China to be near his ailing mother that he intended to take a, jo a job at Xping. Now, this is the insider threat thing, right? So number one, was there monitoring in place to see that there was a different machine that accessed something or that he was trying to get that file onto a machine that hadn't been there before? So that's maybe one. Maybe that's not a thing. Maybe it's not how it's configured. I don't know how Apple's security system set up, but I'm just saying that's one thing. Another is this individual says I'm leaving Apple to go somewhere else. Immediately, that's where it should be step up looking at what that person's doing. You're going to leave the company? Fine. Great. Go on about your way. Life is super. Send you your, uh, you know, your T-shirt and whatever the hell and whatever. Go on about your life. But the company has a 
need and a valid reason to step up monitoring on an individual that says they're getting ready to leave. If I'm getting ready to leave and I tell you, you can monitor the hell out of what I'm doing. People think when you create something that it's your intellectual property, there's data that shows this, there's studies. So therefore, you should apply controls in the insider threat sort of side of this. And it's, I don't know if it's insider threat necessarily or insider risk, but there's a risk that that person might steal your shit. So step up controls, lock stuff down, monitor, 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 those types of things. I don't know how they caught this person, but maybe it was just lucky that the FBI got involved or something, or maybe they had really good insider threat stuff and they kicked this over the FBI. Who knows? But this is a great example, I think, of an organization um, using the principles of this to at least get ahead of what could be a very, very bad thing. Now, Apple hasn't produced an autonomous car that I know of yet, but anyway, I'm sure they're working on it. Uh, it's last one that I wanted to talk about because this is something that I, I would love to hear what people think about this because I'm not sure how I feel about this. This is on TheVerge.com, August 21st. Google AI flagged parents' accounts for potential abuse of nude photos of their sick kids. The pictures were taken to help doctors diagnose infections. So the scenario here is where COVID stuff, you can't go to the doctor. The doctor and you are doing remote things. You as the parent, the doctor said, I don't know, your kid's got a rash or something, a little toddler or whatever. Um, if you ever had toddlers, they get rashes, diapers and whatever. You tell, call the doctor. The doctor says, take a picture of it, send it to me so that I can prescribe them the right treatment. So you do that. Now, those pictures are on your phone. In this case, it was an Android phone. When that phone backs up those pictures to the cloud, which they do on the regular, Google is doing what it says it can do in the terms of service for that account. And it's scanning all your pictures to look for things that are indicative of child pornography, pedophilia, those types of deals. You're just a parent who happened to take pictures of your kid because they need to see the doctor. This is the only way you can do it, et cetera, et cetera. But what happened to this individual is he basically got in, in deep doo-doo for this, right? So what happened? Uh, concerned father says that after his Android smartphone, you would you take a picture of his an infection on his toddler's groin. Google flagged the images as child sexual abuse material, CSAM. According to a report from the New York Times, the company closed his accounts, filed a report with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and spurred a police investigation. So all this parent did was had an Android phone took the picture of the kid's groin because they had an infection, sent it to the doctor, pictures were backed up to the cloud. And now because of the way that the Google terms of service are written and because of what goes on with the scanning of pictures, which remember this thing's looking at every picture you have there, whether you kind of like it or not, it's in the terms of service. Um, they registered that individual and then they send the cops and you're the parent sitting there going, well, why does the cops just show up at my house? Wait a minute. You mean I'm, I'm being charged with or investigated for child pornography, er, right? Uh, concerns about the consequences of blurring the lines of what should be considered private were aired last year when Apple announced its child safety plan, which if you haven't read the child safety plan and you have kids, go read it. I wasn't aware of this, but go read it. Um, wherein in the plan, Apple would locally scan images on Apple devices before they're uploaded to iCloud and then match the images with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's hash database 
of known child CSAM, right? If enough matches were found, a human moderator would then review the content and look at the user's account if it contained CSAM. Now, who's setting this algorithm? Who's putting this stuff together? Who's whatever? The, the thing that's really totally worth noting here, in my opinion, is Apple talks about privacy and all these other organizations sell people on privacy. Here's where they're, I think, trying to do the right thing because God knows I wouldn't want anyone to do something to a kid. But how deep down in the invasive side of this does it go before we go, wait a minute, like that's a little bit too much. The EFF um, slammed Apple's plan saying it could open a backdoor to your private life and that it represented a decrease in privacy for iCloud photos, blah, blah, blah. Apple eventually placed the stored uh, image plan apart on hold with the launch of iOS 15.2. It proceeded, including an optional feature for child accounts, including in a family sharing plan. If parents opt in, then on a child's account, the messages app inside of iOS analyzes image attachments in terms of photo uh, contains nudity while maintaining the end-to-end -end encryption of the messages. If it detects nudity, it blurs the images, displays a warning for the child, and presents them with a resource intended to help safety online. So I, I have iPhones. My kids have iPhones. I'm going to go look for this and do a little bit of uh, research on it because I don't really understand exactly the value proposition of that there. I think I kind of get it. You're keeping your kids from sending dirty pictures to each other, I think. But there still doesn't answer the question of them looking at your photos and then you know tagging them and whatever else. Um, blah, blah, blah. So according to the New York Times, the parent, Mark, who that's not his real name, received a notification from Google two days after taking the photo saying his accounts have been locked due to, quote, harmful content that was a, quote, severe violation of Google's policies and, quote, might be illegal. So if you're a parent, you did this thing for your kid to get them a doctor's um, prescription, and now Google is sending you an alert saying you've done something that's probably illegal. You're going to freak the hell out, right? Uh, cha -cha -cha -cha. Um, Google spokesperson told the Times that Google only scans users' personal images when a user takes affirmative action. That sounds interesting, which can apparently include backing their pictures up to Google Photos. Um, when Google flags exploitative images, the Times note that Google's required federal law to report the potential offender to the cyber tip line at the NCMEC. Uh, in 2021, here's where it goes crazy. Google reported 621,583 cases of those images showing up to the NCMEC. While the NCMEC alerted the authorities of 4,260 potential victims. Now, I would honestly rather all day long if, if it came down to it. I, I'm fine with someone invading my privacy to save a child. Great. Thousand percent. Um, I don't know that a whole lot of people would have a, a real issue with that, but there is a razor's edge to walk here. Now, here's the other piece of this. Mark, who again had done nothing wrong, ended up losing access to his emails, contacts, photos, and his phone numbers as he used Google Fi's mobile service. Mark tried appealing the Google decision, but Google denied Mark's request. The San Francisco Police Department, where Mark lives, opened an investigation into Mark and got a hold of the information he stored with Google. The investigator in the case ultimately found that the incident did not meet the elements of a crime and no crime occurred. So thankfully, in this particular case, because this was in an area where they have a whole lot of technology taking place, someone in San Francisco on the law enforcement side 
was able to run through this. What if this happens to you in a place and they assign it to some cop that doesn't know how technology works? You think they're not going to come snatch you up? Critics argue the practice of scanning a user's photos unreasonably encroaches on their privacy. Um, a director at the EFF called Google's practices intrusive in a statement to the New York Times. This is precisely the nightmare that we are concerned about. They're going to scan my family album and I'm going to get in trouble. These are really interesting privacy implications and these are real cases where something actually occurred. I, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not a privacy expert or those types of things. I'm not sure how to feel about this uh, in totality. I, you have a right you know, as an American to unreasonable search and seizure and all those other things, whatever else. But the terms of service of these things, go find me a room of 100 people and tell me, tell me who's read the entire terms of service on everything that they've ever accessed, especially every application, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the other side of this, too, is imagine having to get a hold of a new phone and your employer is going to ask, well, why are you on a new phone? You, what do you mean you can't get to your email accounts, et cetera, et cetera, if they're a Google shop or whatever else? You would have to explain to them, well, I'm, I'm being investigated by the cops. Well, why are you investigated by the cops and what did they have? You know, why would they take your Google account? Uh, you want to answer that question? So, I mean, there's other implications here that I think are, are worth noting. And um, do, is this acceptable? Is it not acceptable? Is it right? Is it wrong? Uh, what, what happens when the AI starts classifying these things and the AI gets it wrong? Um, you know, when I, when my brother got married, uh, he took a picture with his, uh, wife, like joking around where they were acting like they were going to kind of go at each other. What if the AI tagged that and said, this was a spousal abuse thing. Well, the cops going to go to my brother's house and investigate him for spousal abuse because of a picture where they were like posing like this. I mean, these are, these are valid questions, I think. So anyway, um, I want to get this thing done fast because I like to keep it under 30 minutes, but interesting questions. Please make your comments known, say something, um, you know, whatever. Um, if we don't talk, then we're not getting any better collectively, I think. So long and short of it, God bless. Um, above all, stay smart, stay safe, stay secure. I'll catch you on the next one. If I can help you out or you want to talk about this stuff, hit me up. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.